Hello, friends. We are back with episode 150 of the Our Weekly Holidays podcast. I knew we were going to get to an awesome number, and we finally did. We're happy to have you join us from wherever you are around the world, where we talk about the latest and greatest highlights that we have seen in this current week's Our Weekly issue. My name is Eric Nance, and I'm delighted that you joined us today. And as always, I have my awesome co-host who never stops the hustle, Mike Thomas. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. I am going on site to a client for the first time in a long time. So I, wow. I'm showered, dressed, uh, you know, all before nine o'clock, which is uh, occasionally unusual. I'm not going to fully admit to that. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that today and looking forward to a, a quick uh, highlights here. That's right. Yep. You got yourself ready for the, the whole business professional look. I'm doing that tomorrow for an on site thing. So we got our, our week of on site stuff. But Guess what? The power of virtual means we can do this from our comfortable homes for this episode. And this episode is not possible without, of course, our weekly itself. And this week's issue was curated by Batol Almarzak, who, of course, had great help from our fellow Our Weekly team members and contributors like you all around the world. Now, Mike, you know that in our little post show last week, and we were just getting our files sorted out, I had kind of lamented the fact that I was a little jealous of a certain individual that just did a really fun screencast of a package review. Well, guess what? That is our first highlight here. I'm referring to a live package review that was conducted by Nick Tierney, very well-established member of the R community and has cooperated with our open side quite a bit in his uh, tenure. Yes, and he did a terrific package review of J.D. Ryan's Soils package which is one of a a very um, ambitious, yet very powerful package trying to help surface up some very innovative data and innovative workflows for her team. To to Nick's credit, he was very practical and very upfront with some of his process of evaluating a package, which again, draws a lot from his ROPENSI roots. And at a high level, a few of the things that he illustrates here that I definitely need to take note of is using from the good practice package a function called gb to literally automate the more standard types of checks that they would do in our open whenever a package is on board which again everybody can benefit from because it's not like our open has some esoteric requirements these are all great practices for software development and especially in the space of our package development also extensive use of the coi package we've been singing the praises of coi quite a bit and nick had some nice you know targeted comments on making that even more seamless to give a more friendly looking message for various notes bullet points or even error messages that can occur in this workflow and then also the use this package comes into play yet again right we use this quite a bit in package development and getting kind of the basics of package documentation lined up with the use underscore package underscore doc function is a terrific way to get that package level documentation up and running quickly. Um, throughout it, um, very much um, in JD's blog post that we're linking to in the highlights here, she says she's rewatched this a couple of times and her blog post is literally going through the recommendations that Nick had and the ways that she is now improving the soils package, even things like logic and the functions for directory and file paths checking. These are all things that we sometimes take for granted. But what was also interesting is that Nick had in the live chat 
other really well-established members of the community, such as Miles McBain, also giving his two cents on some of the operations that the package was doing and high-level looks at how things are completely organized. So, yeah, some of the things I took away, Mike, is, yeah, I need to invest in this good practices package a lot more because that's going to help me up my game with documentation as well. And also some of the nice pointers that they have here in the package documentation itself with the markdown files and the snapshotting of tests and various practices for committing these with descriptive messages. So again, worth a watch for sure to see Nick in action because to me, I love seeing the journey just as much as the destination to rip off some friends in the Linux podcasting ecosystem. And Nick really showed the, the actual process of package review, which I think is extremely helpful from no matter where you are in your organization or academic institution. There are a bunch of nuggets for you to learn from here. Yeah, I'm super impressed with this soils package. I'm super impressed with the work that uh, JD and her team at Washington Department of Agriculture have done. It's really exciting for me to see, you know, government organizations, large organizations, you know, not only using R, but like creating beautiful R packages and package down sites and utilities for their team and maybe for, for others to use as well and doing some of this work out in the open for us to be able to take a look at it, uh, learn from it, and potentially even contribute to it as well. You know, one of the the really interesting things, um, there are many really interesting things here, uh, in my opinion. So this package is not on CRAN. I don't know if they have the the desire to to put this package on CRAN, but it is on our universe. And we recently at Catchbrook authored an open source package that obviously folks can install from from GitHub. We haven't pushed it to CRAN or submitted it to CRAN yet either, but I would be interested in seeing, I guess, the, the process, and I should know this by now because we've covered our universe enough on this podcast, but the process of getting a package onto our universe that isn't on CRAN. I believe that there's some workflow that your own has for our universe to actually take a look at what is on CRAN and sort of copy that over right. uh, onto our universe. But I didn't realize, I guess, uh, what the workflow was for submitting a package to, to be on our universe, but not necessarily on CRAN. And that's not not speaking ill of CRAN, but I think there's just some particular packages, um, you know, in our case that maybe aren't necessarily worth going through uh, the entire CRAN workflow for. Um, This is a really, really, really cool idea, and I learned a ton from this. You know, take a look at the YouTube video. Um, Take a look at how Nick walks through this package and Miles and Adam um, walk through this package and the different things that they call out in terms of things that uh, she did well, things that she didn't do well. One, I don't know if you have the GitHub repository open, Eric, at all. Um, One thing that's, like, blowing my mind a little bit that I can't figure out is... So in the README, which you know extends to the package down site, it has a bunch of videos in it that are video demos on how to create a, a soils project, render right. a, a word or an HTML report. And if you look in the README on how these uh, videos are sort of embedded, so there's a link to the same GitHub repo and a folder called assets. Mm. And the folder called assets, I can't find on the repository anywhere well and it's also not get ignored 
That's so I'm I'm curious as to how like maybe at build time when you're you're building the README, she was able to embed these these files with a, a link to this this assets subfolder, but unless I'm going crazy, I can't find it. So that's really cool because one of the things that's that's called out in the blog post is the package size is very large, um, which would be an issue if you're submitting to CRAN, but not necessarily an issue otherwise. And and you know when I'm I'm thinking about packages that are large, I'm, I'm obviously thinking you know what sort of types of files could be within that package to to make it large. And then I I looked at the README right away and I saw oh we have a bunch of video demos that must that could potentially be it, but I can't find them in the README anywhere. So I'm very uh, perplexed to say the least. Well, and then maybe the the last thing that I'll, I'll call out here is you know uh, her team went all the way down the path of being able to use the RStudio IDE to create a new Soils RStudio project, the same way that we would create a new Gollum, uh, Gollum package, right? Or create a new new R package through the RStudio IDE. And the, the little hex sticker from Soils is, is on the RStudio IDE right there for, for creating a Cordo Soil Health Report. It's incredible. Obviously, this this package um, that they've created is going to make other folks in our organization's lives a ton easier to just get their projects up and running sort of immediately instead of having to start from scratch. So if you are someone working in an organization where you find yourself do, doing the same types of projects over and over, um, and our package could be a, a huge benefit to you and a great place to start for a template would be this soils package. It's phenomenal. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here with what JD's done. And as you were talking about the, the videos and the Remy in this blog post, I'll put the direct link to this in the show notes. She does say that there is a video tutorial from GitHub directly on how to pull this off. And it does have to do with GitHub flavored markdown. So you must have done some magic with GitHub itself. So we'll link to that uh, directly because my goodness, if my package is on GitHub, I definitely want to take advantage of this and make it easier for people to see some of the workflow in action for some of the packages I have in mind in the shiny space in the future. So lots of great points, Mike. I think knowing that many of the analysts that she's working with and frankly, the ones I work with are are using Posit or our studio as their front end to this, using that new project feature and getting things ready right away is just so helpful for them. I mentioned I'm on a kind of a crusade at the day job to help make some of these initial clinical projects easier for people. And this project feature is going to be something we look at quite closely here. Definitely. And yeah, you and I, Mike, we've been living the life of creating internal or, or company packages for our various clients or, or stakeholders. And a lot of times things move. Sometimes things move pretty fast. And sometimes we might need to check just what happened, maybe a version behind or two versions behind. But then you're kind of wondering, how do I handle that? Do I have to like do a whole separate R installation on a virtual machine that has like an old version installed? Well, we have some good news for you folks. If you are leveraging Git for your version control, whether you're putting on GitHub or not, but just using Git for version control of some sort, Miles Salmon is back on the highlights once again. Um, Definitely a repeatable pattern here in a great way because she has discovered in her continued, I would say, journey of leveling up her Git knowledge, 
that there is a way to kind of have your cake and eat it too of loading different R package versions kind of at once without a lot of fuss involved using a very, I would say, niche feature in Git called Git Worktree. I admit, I have not seen this at all, and I've been using Git for over, what, 10 years. I did not know about this feature at all. So let's break it down for you real Me quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're both learning something here, Mike. So I think what you and I are familiar with is the concept of branching, where in branching, you could say, I'm on my main branch, but I know I'm going to work on this new feature or new bug fix, but I don't want to commit that to main yet until I get through this fix. And I'll do a new branch to work through that, iterate, and then push that up and do a code review or whatnot to push that in the main. I knew about that, but Git Worktree is a little different. And in fact, it's more comparable, not so much the branching, but to the idea of Git Stash, where you just wanna put things aside in your working area of Git for a bit, and then maybe fix something else real quick and then bring that back forward when you're ready. Well, apparently with Git Worktree, you can, and as my else post illustrates, create a new folder somewhere on your computer and then have that folder be linked to that same Git repository of that package, but to a different state of that package, maybe based on a commit, maybe based on another branch, maybe based on a previous release, which means that you could use that additional area that's separated from your main working area to look at, say, a previous package version. And she gives an example of, uh, say, another package called rigraph, and then putting the tag after that, and then making a directory for that, and then using git worktree to check that tag out into that other folder. And then you can remove that, clean, clean up after yourself, so to speak, when you're done doing that investigation of that previous version of using git worktree remove and in that folder name, and then, then it's as if nothing happened. I'm still wrapping my head a little bit around this because it, 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 I've never used Git Worktree before. But there are plenty of times at the day job where maybe I've already gone like one version, two versions ahead on what I need to finish, but then I'll get a request from like an analyst or a client or, or a customer in my, in my various departments and they have a question that admittedly, some reason they're using an older version of the package. So now I can use Git Worktree to investigate that really quickly without having to you know, do some clever library magic along the way. So I'm still wrapping my head around this, but definitely as we do always, we'll have a link to Miles blog post here. But if you need to quickly check what you did a version or two behind, Git Worktree seems like the way to go. This is, somewhat mind-blowing to me i think it's a great utility function that i now know about uh with git and it's it's fantastic i think it's it's very simply explained by mael to be able to create this just additional directory this additional subdirectory essentially is i think the way that she set it up um which would contain the specific version of the package that you want to work in temporarily um so you know i I think you you covered it excellently this is a very nice short and sweet 
blog post, um, but I, again, appreciate Mael pointing out these nifty little tricks and tools that, that we have. I didn't. I had a similar use case, but, but not quite the same use case. I actually wanted to try out uh, a pack, this package that we've developed on a different version of R, mm. um, which I, I guess I could have done and opened up a separate sort of IDE and had a local installation of an older version of R because I wanted to make sure that the package worked on an older installation of R. But then we uh, were taking a look at, at some of the utilities like R Hub and things like that that allow you to test your package uh, against multiple versions of R on multiple different platforms and, and things like that. Uh, and that also sort of is where where Docker, I think, can come into play and be your friend to allow you yes. to be able to spin up a container that contains a particular version of R without having to necessarily install it on your local machine and then worry about uninstalling it and things like that. Um, but that can be a little more tricky. But I can absolutely see plenty of use cases where, you know, instead of changing the version of R, I would want to actually change a version of of a particular R package and and take a look at you know how that package was functioning in that version uh, compared to a previous version. The, the scales package is one that was giving me some headaches lately. There's some new there's some new arguments in your uh, your label uh, number or label percent um, that deal with positive and negative values that that were newly introduced and, and giving me some headaches recently. So this is a, a use case that I think I might have to to spin up uh, this Git work tree function today and dive back into that. But uh, excellent, uh, excellent blog post again by Mael, sort of just, again, pulling out a bag of tricks that, that I didn't really know existed that are absolutely going to be helpful for me in the future. Yes, and um, I believe, even though he's halfway across the world, potentially, I might hear Bruno's voice in my ears saying, you could probably combine your use case, Mike, of checking different package versions with my L's use case of different or of different package versions with your use case of different R versions with Nick's. I, I bet there's a way to tie those two together. So Bruno, I heard you, even if you weren't saying it, I can, I can hear you telepathically. So this would, <laughs> this would fit really nicely in this, and I'm excited to maybe try out some of these newer ideas as I'm getting more in the weeds, especially this past month on some internal package development and trying to make it easier for both future me and future uh, collaborators as well. But if you ever thought you knew everything about Git, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm i one of those people that seems like I've learned something new every week about Git. So it is just amazing what, what we're learning in this space. And speaking of amazing, the rest of the R Weekly issue is just as amazing you're going to learn so much along the way if you read through the entire list of new blog posts, new packages, updated packages, and other tremendous resources. So I'll take a couple of minutes for our additional finds here. And um, I, I admit, sometimes when I'll read an old, I hate to say old, but maybe a, a somewhat new-ish or you know, senior statistical research book, you wonder how would what would happen if I just updated my the code examples in that book to use a newer package framework, a newer paradigm. How does that compare and contrast? Well, Emo Vitfeld from Posit has done just that with the introduction to statistical learning labs converted to using tidy models. This is massive. If you ever want to see just relating a newer framework for machine learning and, and, and everything like that, but with a very critically renowned, well-established literature of getting into the nuts and bolts of predictive modeling and machine learning. 
This quarto book online of Tidy Models Labs has you covered. I've been watching this over a little bit. It looks like it's had a ton of updates since I last looked at this, but it is a very direct one-to-one relationship with the labs that are mentioned in the in the second edition of ISLR with using Tidy Models. So if you ever wondered how like classification, you know, linear model selection, support vector machines would look in the ISLR context, but with Tidy Models, this is the place to go. Highly recommended. I was looking at that uh, that book and I cannot wait to fully check that out. Um, the ISLR book is, is absolutely phenomenal and Tidy Models is absolutely phenomenal as well. That's, that's our package, uh, suite of packages of, of choice here at Catchbook for when we're doing predictive modeling projects and then ISLR is, is sitting on my desk essentially at all times. So it's, it's going to make my life even, even easier to be able to have this resource that sort of, uh, is that serves as a translation between those two things immediately instead of having to, to do it ourselves. Um, and I'll, I just want to point out quarto 1.4 has been released uh big improvement here i think is around dashboards you know we've talked about it a lot but quarto dashboards are here uh the new iteration of, of flex dashboard so try it out yourself the other thing that i'm super excited about but I, I think is in the early stages i'll have to check out sort of how stable it is but it's this new new manuscript project type called typest t-y-p-s-t if i'm pronouncing that correctly i'm not sure sounds like a much lighter weight version uh, of maybe Pandoc or, or for rendering PDFs uh, really lightning fast uh, or, or LaTeX essentially. I think it's, it's replacing Pandoc and LaTeX. Um, I haven't dug into it yet, but if there is something out there that can render PDF reports for us uh, much faster and much more lightweight, then what the current options are, I am super interested in it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm very interested as well, and I believe there was a talk at PosiConf about the type support coming for Cordal. So if I'm able to find that, I'll put that in the show notes as well. But I do have a use case at the day job, or maybe you want to make a PDF even, not just of the statistical results of like a model fit, but also we could might even use this for like an internal newsletter or an internal update and send that out because in any corporation, sometimes email is the only way to get a hold of people, and this will be a great way to have an attractive kind of um, branding, if you will, on some of the things we do. But types can make that a lot easier. And certainly, we hope that our weekly itself makes your journeys in our data science much easier. And of course, we love hearing from you. Um, the best ways to get a hold of us are on the contact page, link in this episode's show notes. You can also have a modern podcast app like Pod vs. Fountain send us a fun boost along the way, and details about that are in the show notes as well. And also, we are variously uh, sporadically on social medias. I am at uh, our podcast at podcastindex.social on the Mastodon servers, sporadically on the Weapon X thing with at the RCAS and LinkedIn from time to time. And Mike, where can listeners find you? Sure. On LinkedIn, you can search Catchbrook Analytics, K-E-T-C-H-B-R-O-O-K, and see what I'm up to there. Or you can find me on Mastodon at Mike underscore Thomas at Fostodon.org. Awesome stuff as always. And yeah, it's a nice tidy episode this week. And But as always, every single week, we're trying to be back here with awesome R content for all of you. So that'll do it for us for episode 150. Only 50 more to go to the big 200. We'll see if we get there. But in any event, we hope you enjoy listening and we'll see you back for another edition of our weekly highlights. 
next week.